Welcome to The 90s Sucked. A podcast about the 90s and how they sucked. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Chad Wild. Hey everybody, welcome to the 90s fucking sucked. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Chet is in a bunker underneath the building hiding out from federal agents for the second week in a row. So joining me is guest co-host Laura Crawford. Hi, I'm back. Back in the siege. Yes. Those are all Branch Davidians who have joined us for part two into our deep dive into their wacky shit. They're clapping from heaven, baby. Man. There's some of them are still alive. Oh, yeah, a few. There, um, yeah. If we gave this topic the 10 to 11 episodes it deserves, mm-hmm. we would absolutely get into the fact that the Branch Davidians still exist. They're still a thing. You can still go online. You can probably still join them if you want. Yeah. You can go out and uh, find David Koresh's speeches. Mm-hmm. There's one I want to listen to because yeah. there is this scene in the TV show where this guy who is a, uh, I believe, a learned doctor of medicine mm-hmm. is explaining to one of the, the newcomers in the Branch Davidian Church that he thought this was all nonsense. And then he heard David Koresh talk about the seven seals. Yes. And that hearing him talk about the seven seals made it all click. And he's like, I took a... A friend of mine who's a professor and a Bible scholar uh, over here to talk to him, and they debated, and David had an answer every time. And it's like, man, I need to hear that fucking tape. But also, I read an excerpt, and it's like, what are you saying? None of this, are these sentences? Apparently, one of his early uh, preachings was he was talking about how sin is like a booger that you can't get off your finger, and you're trying to get it off. <laughs> So he's pretty deep. And that is the kind of thing I can picture people being like, (gasps) whoa, it is like, (laughs) oh, I never thought of it that way. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. I know. I'm kind of, uh, yeah, the seven seals thing. What's he going to unveil? Yeah. But the the tapes are out there. They're all on YouTube, Mm -hmm. which, which also I feel like kind of invalidates the Branch Davidians point that the government will do everything in their power to stop the word of David Koresh from getting out. Right. And it's like, motherfuckers, it's all over YouTube right now. Now the word is out. People have access to it. And we still aren't on board with what you were up to. Not not on board at all. And then uh, we were saying last week, uh, I remember Branch Davidian shit because there was an episode of the X-Files that they pretty much ripped off this whole story and called The Field Where I Died. But that came out in 96. It was about 10 then. It was a favorite show of mine. But uh, yeah, so this, the whole message, this story has been in news stories. Actually, the New York Times just did a feature where there were like a retro report talking about Waco and everything. So it's, it's not covered up by any means. No, there's there's a lot of information available about Waco. I feel like we and what were, David Crash's message was. Yeah. From his own mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And it I, I I doubt that it's as persuasive as those followers make it out to be. Yes. Definitely. I, I think you would already have to be knee deep in Seventh day Adventist stuff to really get on board with that. What if I just released like one of his hour speeches <laughs> as one of my solo podcasts? You should. Just gonna, see what happens. I'm going to do a cover of it. I want to do a cover album of David Koresh preachings. And then I'll just deep fake him giving a mailing address at the end and mm-hmm. see if the followers roll in. Exactly. How else are you going to get new sponsors? Yeah. Yeah. You got to send me a, send me a letter. So I know you are crazy. Yes. With $5 in it. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want the normies here questioning my authority. But take a marker and cross out the I on the pyramid on the bill. <laughs> Please, I ever Please, that. yeah, yeah. Black it out. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked last week mostly about the Branch Davidian half of things. And right. we ended the episode at the point where the ATF is ready to siege. We've tried nothing and nothing's worked. <laughs> right. And so now they are... Uh, the the newspaper articles in the Waco Tribune Herald have come out. Desire. 
The sinful Messiah. Sinful Messiah, David Coyrette. Which that word also, I've been bringing up the Paramount <laughs> Network TV show. Waco. 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 <laughs> they, uh, that's another thing that they really hit on is that when David Koresh said Messiah, mm-hmm. he didn't mean he thought he was Jesus. No, no. He thought he was an anointed prophet. Well, he had a definition of Messiah, which might be the actual definition of Messiah, mm-hmm. which is that it's just a person who turns your eyes to God. Sure. Yeah. And you see that. I I, I really can't tell if the, the undercover agent in the show is being portrayed sympathetically or not, because mm-hmm. he does. He's the one who points that out to the ATF, at least in the show. Yes. And he's like, yeah, they, that's not what they mean when they say Messiah. And it did become part of pu- the public record that they thought maybe this guy kind of got flipped. Mm-hmm. And I don't, yeah, I don't agree with that. It's definitely, I think, a connotation that they were trying to draw up simply because David Koresh had the long hair, which people associate with Jesus, which right. he probably didn't have. Because I think it's St. Peter or St. Paul talks about uh, long hair being forbidden for men. Or something. So the the idea that Jesus had long hair is some bullshit they made up during the Godspell era. Uh, he was charismatic leader, looked a certain way, had a sort of way of speaking, used to be a carpenter. So I pe- think people were really pushing that narrative that he thought he was Jesus, quote unquote, which, yeah, not true. Right. So that's important to point out. Yeah. And, and also Jesus didn't fuck kids as far as we know. Yeah, that's... That's an important <laughs> distinction. I don't know. Yeah, Jesus apparently didn't marry any children. So. But that's also the somehow the problem here is that people like David Koresh read the Bible and get that from it or end yeah. up using their interpretation of the Bible. Like the Bible, the way it's written, if you just sound convincing when you're mm-hmm. explaining to people what that passage means, yeah. they're going to be like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Well, also, and it's like, to, well, it's probably because that's not what it means. Well, also, according to biblical law, slaves, slavery should be okay. And uh, oh, so many things. Multiple yeah. marriage should be okay. You should, should be, be able, able to, to have multiple wives. Kill people for working on the wrong day. Yeah. Like, yeah there's exactly. a lot of things in there. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not really totally convinced that we should take that as he's a great guy because the things he did were, you know, approved of in the Bible in certain parts. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so the, the ATF has tried nothing and nothing has worked. <laughs> They've tried nothing. And right out of the gate, they shouldn't have done, like this raid should not have gone through because something wacky happens. A reporter from the local news station is was tipped off that the ATF was about to conduct this raid. Yeah. So he drives out to the Koresh or the the Davidian compound, but gets lost. Oh, I love that. And he pulls over, and luckily enough, a U.S. mail carrier is passing by in his van, and he flags the guy down and says, hey, how do you get to the Branch Davidian compound? And the the mail carrier gave him directions, and the reporter went on his way. And as it turns out, that mail carrier was David Koresh's brother-in-law. Yep. And his brother-in-law was very much sympathetic to his cause. And he immediately told David Koresh what was coming, mm-hmm. which that is slapstick comedy right there. It sort of reminds me of um, the Archduke Ferdinand and how they had made all these attempts in the carriage earlier in the day that hadn't worked. And then finally they got him where it's just like, dude, can you imagine that? Be like, I didn't, the bomb didn't go off, <laughs> you know, and very, um, yeah, Keystone Cops-ish sort of deal. Yeah. Hey, do you know where the branch dominion compound is? That is It's over there. Uh Mr. Mr. Crash. And I don't know if uh, I didn't see the, I I I'm pretty sure this was added to the TV show yeah. for dramatic effect. But in the show at the same moment this is happening, mm-hmm. a team of ATF agents rides by in a station wagon. Oh my god. <laughs> and just make direct eye contact. Good god. And, and I think in real life that didn't happen. I think this guy was just like, why Like, why is the media going out there mm-hmm. now? Yeah. Like, yeah. what's what's going what's on? What's there to cover? What's the event? And so he goes and tells David Koresh that this mm-hmm. is happening. Yeah. And that should have ended the raid right then and there. Yeah. 
because it's going to happen. It's not going to be an effective raid. Because what happens next, David Koresh goes to the undercover agent who is... Uh, Chilling with him. Yeah, who's <laughs> awesomely named Robert Rodriguez, ah. just like the director. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was... Sorry, I was thinking Richard Ramirez, the Night's Talk. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and he is... Uh, in the compound with David Koresh at the moment David Koresh finds out that this raid is going to happen. I imagine they're all just having like a spaghetti supper or something and then like a report comes in and the guy's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> he is. That's how they put Tugging on his collar. That's how they portray it in the show. He's just sitting at a table and hears them talking off in the distance and the guy's like, oh, I gotta go. There were federal agents and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as David Koresh finds out he goes to this undercover agent and is like, look, I know your raid is about Cards to happen. On the table. <laughs> I know you are a federal agent. I invited you in so you could see what was happening and nothing's happening. But now I know your raid is about to happen anyway. And it should have ended there. Right. Because the plan that the ATF had put in place called for the Branch Davidians not knowing they were approaching the compound. <laughs> because they believed that they would just hide any weapons. They would either hide any weapons or they would just take up defensive positions and start shooting. They were worried yes. about either of those. So the plan absolutely required them to sneak up on the Branch Davidians. Sure. And once they find out about the, the, the raid, yeah. that plan should have ended. Yeah. And there are, like, the undercover agent at least as portrayed in the show, mm -hmm. really went out of his way to try and notify his superiors that this raid should not happen. And I don't doubt that. I, I don't doubt that he was like, they know. Like they... Yeah. Because, and that's that's his official story is, you know, he, he left and he told his superiors, they know the raid, they know the raid's about to happen. You, you have to not do it. Yeah. And... The fucking raid went forward anyway, Yeah, which is nuts. And there's also a, a really famous part of Waco siege history, which is, uh, this is in the official record. They asked that undercover agent, what were the Branch Davidians doing when you left? And he said, praying. Because what his superior ends up saying uh, in court later or in whatever one of the many reports that were done or investigations that were done into this is that they were under the impression that the Branch Davidians were in there arming up and getting ready to shoot. Yeah. And this guy's like, no, they're praying like they didn't they didn't have guns out. They weren't trying to start a fucking armed conflict. Yeah. And that is one of the big points of contention. When it comes to what happened at Waco, because there's two two sides. Yes. And um, when you just hear about the body counts of Waco at the start of it, it does seem like they are a very scary, very dangerous group. The Branch Davidians, yes. you mean? Yes. Right. It's almost like it's it's the, the Star Wars question. Who shot first? I always say JFK shot first. Yeah. Yeah. He shot at Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Fucking commie. Yeah. He was like acting in self-defense. That's why he shot him because he was acting in self-defense. You just saw a dude in a window and he was yeah. like, ah! Oh, no. <laughs> Did he say that? Ah! <laughs> yes. Fucking bird. He turned into a hawk. He was, he was a hawk. He was hawking Vietnam and he was hawking the car. Wasn't hawking invading Cuba hard enough. No, I know. I know. Soft belly. Uh, so... Yeah, the, the plan was to approach the compound without being noticed. And that all blew up. And now Black they approach... beetle-looking human beings and yeah. the dirt, the brown dirt. <laughs> their ATF uniforms. And then it becomes a question of <coughs> who shot first. Yeah, the ATF or the Branch Davidians. And according to the official account, it's still open to debate. Yes, but There's no real way to know. Yeah, but it seems like most of the available information points to the ATF shooting first. And mm -hmm. very, very darkly, the, I think, strongest possibility is that they shot 
the dogs that were on because the Branch Davidians had a dog kennel for the Branch Dog Davidians. Oh, and yeah, the speculation is those were the first shots. Was the ATF shooting the dogs, taking out the dogs, and which is similar to what happened in Ruby Ridge, right? Yeah, same deal. Yeah, Ruby Ridge. They uh, the ATF agents or were they federal agents or were they ATF? Uh, at Ruby well, Ridge, pets, but you know what I mean. At Ruby Ridge, I think was it a combination of both the the team? Yeah, they were that, fused into one. Like, uh, what the fuck is a transformer? <laughs> yeah, Mighty. well, there's there's ATF three FBI agent. agencies involved in both of those stories: the right. FBI, the ATF, and the HRT, which is a faction of the FBI. Aww. HRT is a hostage rescue team. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And that is who did all of the really aggressive stuff at Ruby Ridge. Okay. Was the hostage rescue team. And they actually show up at the siege at Waco at one point. Bonkers. And they're a fucking problem when they get there. Yeah. So I believe that was also a case when they encountered the family at Ruby Ridge. They initially, well, the dog spotted the agent in the woods because the feds were staking them out. And the family's dog like uncovered an agent was like woof woof come over here hey there's an agent over here and so they killed the dog and then they got into a shootout with the family so in this case similarly they were probably trying to take the dogs out so the dogs wouldn't alert them to their presence right wouldn't alert the branch davidians to the presence of the agents and i think most of the agents were working under the impression that the branch davidians didn't know they were coming yeah i don't think that part was communicated to the group because I okay. feel like, well, I mean, orders are orders and they yeah. would have done it anyway, no doubt. Yeah. But if you know a big part of your, a big part of the success of your operation hinges on them not knowing. Call out that day. And if <laughs> someone right before you go in is like, they know, like someone's going to be like, should we talk about this? Should we, yeah. should we maybe what we, regroup? Yeah. And, what are we going in for? What are we preparing ourselves to see? Yeah. And so it's chaos already. Mm-hmm. And plus, I don't know how well they know the setup of this place. That I think they, because people had already left by then. So they know where everything is. So they had, yes, you actually see, uh, I know I'm leaning on the TV show a yeah. lot, but it's like, it's gotta be somewhat, it's a, it's based on actual events. And I, I would imagine that the reason this scene existed is to show us that they did have some understanding of the layout of the building but there's a scene where one of the agents is actually has a model of oh, the, the compound. compound on his desk oh, cool. like a 3d model i'm like oh cool yeah, yeah what cool <laughs> murderers they were i wonder if they sell those at blast from the past <laughs> oh my gosh they should <laughs> uh, their own little david crash compound like a little lego man yeah yeah, fire at the ATM agents. They should have made that as a set for kids in the nineties. You know, <laughs> they probably did if you yeah. ran in the right circles. Be like, oh, or like I ran am- in the white circles. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> I am downhill skier David Koresh <laughs> with grappling gun. <laughs> so that's that's the big point of contention is who shot first. Yep. But no, no matter who shot first, the rest of the ATF agents took that as the Branch Davidians are shooting. And they just all start firing. Yeah, it's a kickoff moment. And it turns into a big gunfight that lasts for 45 minutes. Yeah. If you can imagine that, just shots being fired straight for 45 minutes, it's a fucking long time. And the local sheriff claims, like, the the sheriff is the one who managed to broker a ceasefire. Like, it turned into, like, fucking Northern Ireland at one point, basically, where this guy has to get involved and be like, All right, can we talk about it, please? Yeah. While it's happening in real time. And this, what he claimed was the only reason the ATF agreed to the ceasefire is they were running out of ammunition. Oh, yeah, I did and that, that. the Branch Davidians had plenty of ammunition. Yeah. And he says that's the only reason they agreed to the ceasefire, which could be. And they killed four of their agents. They got four agents killed. They killed four ATF agents. Five Branch Davidians were killed. Uh, but the thing about the Branch Davidians getting killed, that number, was that the case where some of them, other Branch Davidians killed them because they had been shot at and they were kind of putting them out of their misery? Yes. There okay. were two of them. Because that, 
that's one detail about Not that that really i mean i don't know how much that matters but well it's, it's interesting it detail kind of does because that detail gets thrown around sometimes just as oh some of the people in there were shot in the head yeah and that makes it sound like Oh, so they were murdering people? And no. No. There were people who had been shot and there was no medical help coming. Yeah. And they were going to die. There were people who were shot when the fire, spoiler alert, yeah. breaks out also. There were people who were shot. And David got a, it hit his wrist? I think it was. One bullet hit his wrist and one of them hit, later hit his hip. Yeah, it hit his, I, and that, all of that happens right away. Yeah. Like he's one of the first people shot because. Yeah, I believe it's, yeah, I think he gets hit in the wrist and it's kind of minor thing. And then later when he's hit in the hip, that one, the bullet goes down through the floor and that was the worst injury right. for him. Uh, because he was the first one to come out when they show up. He yeah. comes out with his arms up and then that first shot goes off from somewhere and then all the shooting starts and he runs back in and gets hit. Yeah. And so after they managed to broker this uh, ceasefire, mm-hmm. the FBI and the hostage rescue team show up i'm just whirling my eyes at how benevolent that name is for what they end up doing i know (laughs) they because department of love yeah (laughs) what happens is they show up they take over because the atf is obviously not handling they couldn't fucking stop once they lost one dude once one of their dudes dies they couldn't be like okay we need to reassess what we're doing it had to take fucking four well four of them just knowing that they knew the raid was happening should have stopped them. Yeah, fucking A. And so now the FBI and the hostage rescue team show up. And like I said earlier, they are really important to this story because at one point the FBI gets split into two factions. Mm-hmm. There's one that uh, is played by Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. In the TV show. I imagine that's the nicer faction, right? That is that is actually the oh nicer faction, God, if hilarious. you can believe it. That's surprising. Uh, Michael Shannon is the guy who wants to do this all through negotiation, and that happened in real life. There was a yeah. one side of the FBI still thought this was a negotiation thing, and the other side, which was the hostage rescue team, which was uh, headed by a guy named Richard Rogers who is the same one who oversaw Ruby Ridge. Mm, That genius. The people who were rallied behind him thought this should be force. Like they were going to have to end this with force. Yeah. Get the tanks in. And that becomes the defining question during the standoff, which lasts 51 days. Yes. It's a very long standoff. It is a very long standoff. And all along the way, the kind of force versus negotiation is the question. Like, how long can we keep negotiating Mm -hmm. before it becomes force? And uh, one thing that happened that gets portrayed uh, interestingly in the TV show is uh, at one point the FBI and people are just going to have to assume that the things I'm talking about happen both in the notes that I prepared (laughs) researching this and the TV show that I watched. But the FBI at one point makes this sort of breakthrough with Koresh after he's been shot, by the way, where they're like, okay, if we let you air your message on national television, Mm -hmm. will you let people like, will you give up? Right. The prophecy of the seven seal and all right. And that uh, seems like it works. Yes. And this is where the two sides of history differ. One side says the FBI agreed to that. They played his message on national television. And David Koresh backed out of the deal after he got what he wanted and said, oh, God told me I should stay longer. Sorry. Yeah, I have heard that. What they, uh, the way they depict it in the TV show and I have to watch it again. If these news, they they show news reports of this happening. And what happens in the TV show is they play about five minutes, not even that, but seemingly five minutes in accelerated TV time of this message, which is an hour long. Oh, okay. During a press conference and all of the stations covering it, play it for a few minutes and then their anchors cut in and go... So that was an hour long, and the people at the press conference got to see it. And David Koresh is watching this and is like, you didn't actually 
yeah. play my message. You played a few minutes of it, and then Yeah, you tricked nothing. me. You backed out on the deal. So that is, uh, that's a bone of contention mm. among the, the people who have studied Waco is did he get what he wanted and just backed out or did we not Fulfill not only deal. N- yeah not only not give him what he wanted but you mentioned the thing about him uh being called what was his nickname mr retardo as as a child what you see in when these uh news anchors cut back in and interrupt the the playing of this tape yeah. not only do they interrupt it but they're like yeah so it was like another 55 minutes of this crazy dude rambling yeah and like david koresh is having this moment where he thinks the world's finally going to hear my words mm-hmm. and in her instead he's like back to that moment where everyone's like shut up yeah shut up dumb, dumbass dumbass idiot yeah and special ed and burden uh, that's the point where he's like all right we're staying i guess yeah and um People have pointed this out, ex-members of the Davidians and things, have pointed out that if these people in the ATF knew anything about religion, they would have known that, you know, pushing, putting them in a, between a rock and a hard place was only going to increase their resolve at a certain point. Yeah, what people who aren't highly religious don't seem to understand is that people who are, they fucking mean it. Yeah, like, and the more you pressure them, the more sense of uh, reward they get out of keeping that stance. And, yeah. you know keeping the faith literally you like your your sense. suburban soccer moms that you go to church with might not yeah take it as seriously it might just be a, a show thing for them but when you're talking about these people they absolutely believe what they're saying mm-hmm. and like I, I don't think we've even mentioned how like this just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where they're like all right well what we've been told is that uh we need to build this army and at some point the forces of tyranny are going to come crashing down on us yep. and burn all our shit down and we're all going to go to heaven. Yeah. And then the authorities go, "Holy shit, they're collecting all they these right into their hands, All these guns. We better fucking crack down on them yeah. and get to their door." And it's like, is that helping? Especially if the paperwork is in order for those guns. Yeah, especially I mean from an administrative perspective. Yeah. Not what you want to do. Because the, I don't think I even mentioned on how the last paperwork that's probably made for the ATF. Yeah. And the local cops, see how much paperwork they probably had to do because of all this shit? Tons. Yeah. Unnecessarily. But that's the real tragedy. And <laughs> so, yeah, this, after that first botched deal, there's another negotiation and 18 or 19 children ranging in age from five months to 12 years old are released. We were talking about the conditions in which these kids were living under during this siege. And they're saying that at some of these nights, Waco would get down to 20 degrees Fahrenheit. And they had cut the electricity off. And the water. And the water. And that is inhumane to have a five-month-old baby staying in an environment where it's freezing conditions, no electricity, no running water. Just that's that's child abuse. And again, that feels like... A sort of a test run for what we would go on to do in other countries yeah. where we talk about sanctions all the time mm-hmm. as if, oh, let's just impose some sanctions instead of going to war. Let's not be yeah, inhumane. Let's not be bloodthirsty yeah. about this. Meanwhile, sanctions kill poor people. Yeah. Like that's what sanctions do. And like, what was the benefit of going, well, there's kids in there being sexually abused. We better cut off the heat and the water. Yeah. Like, why? That's the best thing to do for abuse victims. Yeah. And I think that that comes down to that that divide that forms on the two sides of the FBI, where one one is like, all right, let's just fucking hear yeah. them out and talk about it and see if we can get them to come out. Yeah. And the other side's like, no, we need force. And they both want to be in charge. So they're just like one side sort of sabotaging the yeah. other. Yeah, they to try to engage in compromise of that is not going to work. Right. And so these kids being released is really important. And none of them are Koresh's kids. None of them are Koresh's kids. And they come out and what we find out is that they're interviewed by the FBI and the FBI finds out they had all been, they were being abused long before this standoff started. So now we really have to get in there. And I mean, hashtag believe children 
But also, if you read the accounts, it's like, yeah, some of them were interviewed for hours on end. And it's yeah. like, what did you lock these abuse victims in a room for hours on end? To yeah. what end? Was it so they would tell you what you wanted to tell hear? you what you wanted to know so you could go in? Like, I, I kind of need to see those tapes. Yeah. I want to know how these kids were treated and under what circumstances they said what. Because another thing that comes up is they mention at one point that the negotiators got really unnerved because at one point the Branch Davidians release more people and make a big show of telling the kids they can leave. And the kids don't. Like, his kids yeah. are like, no. I'm going to fucking stay with my dad. Yeah. What are you talking about? Mm. And that apparently was unsettling, kind of unsettling to the side that wanted to negotiate more. Okay. Because they're like, is this abuse really this happening? Make you look or did reasonable. you fucking yeah. smack a abuse accusation out of this kid when you had him in the room yeah. for 12 hours? Yeah. But those interviews with those kids become the impetus for Janet Reno, who uh, surprisingly mm-hmm. represents the more aggressive side of the oh, FBI yeah. response. Bill Clinton was also of the opinion because there was a previous incident that's mentioned and I didn't put it in the notes, but there was a previous incident, I think in Arkansas where Bill Clinton's from, obviously yeah. that was similar and it dragged out for a long time, but eventually ended peacefully and no one was hurt. They were able to neg- negotiate their way out of it. Mm-hmm. And Bill Clinton was like, what about that? <laughs> and Janet Reno's like, no, <laughs> she was of the opinion that the hostage rescue team had been waiting long enough mm-hmm. and that they were getting impatient. And now that we know kids are being abused, we got to get in there. Yeah. And so she kind of pulls the trigger on it and Bill Clinton sides with her. Yep. And the siege starts And that is, uh, like, that's an important moment because what happens next is probably the most important question is who starts the fire? Yes, because after a long time, before the fire had started, they had used tanks. Right. Against part of the architecture of the building. Right. So they were using heavy machinery that could have killed people, military-grade stuff, even before fires involved. I and, mean, that's an important point, that they, they had killed people, and they were also using other equipment that could have continued to kill people. And in talking about the legacy of this, it's important to mention that that is where a lot of the fears of militarized police forces in the United States, that's where that talking point starts to surface they actually uh by way of depicting it in the tv show they they show this like right-wing radio host who ends up getting a call from david koresh which that actually yes happened in the early moments of the siege he still had they still had access to the outside world and david koresh is calling this sympathetic radio station to plead his case. And that's when they cut the phone lines, but they show that guy before the call happens. And his whole thing is law enforcement is supposed to be about de-escalation, and the military is about punishing your enemy more than they can punish you to the point that they give up. Right. And military is for war. Law enforcement is for citizens. Why are our law enforcement officials driving tanks into Waco. Yes. And no matter what side of the aisle you're on, that's a pretty good question. Yeah. I don't think there's... Talking about use of resources. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone on either side. I mean, aside from the people who profit off of it happening. Right. But you'll find plenty of people on both sides of the aisle who are like, no, our... Fucking cops shouldn't have tanks. That is absurd. And Waco is one of those situations where the government kind of ran that on us. And we're like, what are you going to do? Yeah, they tested it out in a sense. Yeah. What if we do send a militarized police force into resolve a law enforcement dispute? And we were like, mostly nothing, but some of us are going to blow up the Oklahoma City Federal Building. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, you can call any protest you want a riot. Right. Where does the word riot get applied to anything? Yeah. When they break out the quote unquote riot gear. 
Yeah, they probably would have preferred that we rioted back then before yeah. the internet was a thing. Yeah. So they could crack down on it then. Exactly. Now there's too much internet. Too they much. They have to build a new internet that will crack down on us for them. Exactly. Hashtag 5G is a weapon. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> More for the Conspiracy Theory podcast. Exactly. So yeah, the, the who started the fire thing becomes really important. And I did kind of skip over that more aggressive side of the FBI. While they're deciding what to do, they're pulling like Noriega oh, yeah, they're type mind control shit on the Branch flash, Davidians. Flooding them with lights so that they can't sleep. Flooding them with lights. Uh, sleep deprivation by way of broadcasting shit like rabbits screaming while being uh, slaughtered. Dentist drills. Dentist drills, music. Yeah. They would drive vehicles over the graves of people who were buried on the compound. Oh, Tibetan chants. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things. But just, uh, yeah, basically driving them crazy. And like we said, they cut off the water. They cut off electricity. So people had been shot around dead bodies still for 50 days. Dead bodies, no heat, no hot water, no nothing, and no new food coming in. I think at that point they were running out of water and milk. Right. For the children and stuff like that. And um, then they start, uh, they have these tanks that they're using to destroy parts of the buildings. And they're also sending in military grade tear gas. Yeah, the tear gas is the the really important detail because that that that's a, a Janet Reno trademark. Yeah. That was that was one of her initiatives. Yeah. Uh, one of the things she signed off on when they finally settled on kicking the doors in basically and so for tear gas is a very uh soft name for what it actually is because it's just this gas that makes you feel like your lungs are on fire right and it's breathing in fire it's a pyrotechnic there is an explosion involved with it also that involves fire so the what the branch davidians claim is that that tear gas those tear gas canisters started fires in the building and what the government claims is that the Branch Davidians started the fires yes. in the buildings because they knew, well, this is our destiny. We're supposed to die. They thought it was a Jim Jones-ish people's cult, like a kind of mass suicide move. Right. And that was the other thing the, the government uses as their justification is right. they're like, well, we're worried it's going to be another Jonestown, another Jonestown if we don't kick the doors in. And I think a lot of people on the negotiations side were probably like, yeah, it's going to be another Jonestown if you kick the doors in. Yeah. And when you get to that point, like it barely even matters who was right. Yeah. Like it barely matters who set the fire. Like that fire, like it's like when a, a sports team loses on some fucking crazy play at the last minute and you're like, uh, yeah, but you also like missed a field goal in the third quarter that would have won it. Like, exactly. There were a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah. And so you're having a fire rip through a place that, you know, is already in chaos. Already in chaos and still has a lot of kids inside. Yes. And they were say- talking about like during the shootout and everything that they had uh, mothers were just lying on top of their kids in the hallways and stuff of buildings just to, to try to protect them. Right. Yeah, it was it was what what happens when people die in a fire. And you mentioned earlier that around this time there had been like religious scholars who had weighed in and like tried to reach out to the various law enforcement agencies yeah. and were like they're going to take this fucking seriously. Like yeah. you're underestimating how literally they take their teachings. Yeah. And this is and that they will lay down their life for him and for Dave Koresh. Unfortunately for the Branch Davidians and for the FBI, the HRT, the ATF, yeah. this is where they learned that because they figured, all right, well, fire, they're going to come out like no one wants to die in a fire. Yeah. Nine people came out. Yeah. And there were 85 people still in the building. I'm sure a lot of them couldn't get out, you know, or probably maybe had some sort of their passage was, you know, blocked in some way, but in some cases, but there were investigations after, because the thing is the people who stayed all took shelter in this concrete bunker that was initially kind of far from Mm -hmm. the fire. So a lot of people who died were just in there in that 
building while it was burning to the point that the bunker they were in collapsed on top of them. Oh, God, yeah. So that's kind of the point where the government realizes, oh, they are serious. Yeah. They're not going to come out, huh? And 76 people died. It's a lot of people. That is a lot of people that we maybe should have just gone in and talked to that, a and little that bit. People had been watching on the news for 50 days. Right. Like this, it, it took so long for this to play out. Like, and that it, it's impossible to understate how important this moment in American history is. Mm-hmm. It's so integral to what happened at Oklahoma City. There are videos of Timothy McVeigh hanging out. Yeah, watching it. At the Waco siege. Even though these are not white nationalists, these yeah. are just a fringe religious group with a lot mm-hmm. of guns. But he's like, enemy of my enemy. Exactly. And I also think the public reaction to this and the media coverage set the stage for a lot of things that happened with 9-11. The coverage of 9-11 and how and people's distrust of the government's statements on 9-11. I think once people had learned that what the government does when it came to Waco, they were not as ready to believe them when it came, you know that came out, what, seven years later? Right. I don't know math. <laughs> I'm like, when was it, 92? This is 92, 93? No, no. Oh, Waco? Later. Yeah, Waco was 95. The, the final siege at Waco happened uh, April 19th, 1993. 1993. Yeah, One yes, more day, and it could have been on 420. Ugh, which is when Columbine happened. It sure is. Yep. And But yeah, eight years later, we have 9-11, you know, and I think a lot of people did still have a lot of memories from Waco and Ruby Ridge who were the people who were not necessarily totally believing the government story about, yeah. Oh, every, every uh, office of the government failed on the same day. Yeah. In the same way. And there were no bombs and blah, 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 building seven, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. There are a lot of weird developments in the United States from after the fall of communism. Yes. Because we were able to rely on communism for decades and decades and decades as our enemy that justified our massive military industrial complex. Yes, yeah. And after that- Our budgets all were all based on that. After that fell, I think white nationalists were our first choice. Mm-hmm. And I, whether that was just a, a move to normalize a militarized police force, or if they just at some point were like, there's not enough of them. Like, we yeah. can't, we're not going to be able to keep this going forever with just them- at some point, the initiative changed to, all right, we need to take this show overseas. Yeah, make it Muslims a bigger are the deal. Enemy. Yeah, make it a bigger show. And bigger and better sequel. If, if you're out there wondering why people believe conspiracy theories, it's because of stuff like this. There is a very real thing called the New American Century Project. Yep. And it was a paper written by Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, among others. Yeah. And it laid out what America needed to do to become a real superpower. Yeah. They needed another Pearl Harbor was how they phrased it. Not only do they, did they need another Pearl Harbor, which happened shortly after this paper came out. Uh-huh. They were like, these are the seven countries we need to go to war with. And since that came out, we've gone to war with like five of them. Yep. And the end is China. We need war with China. And does it not feel a little bit like we're headed for war with China? Yeah, it does. And I know it's hard to stomach that your government gets up to some truly despicable shit sometimes. Mm -hmm. But there are signs of it all around you. And if you don't think the government is willing to accept the collateral damage of its own citizens, you don't know shit. Like I was just telling you the case where... um, it was Elliot Ness was investigating a serial killer in, I think it was Cleveland or Cincinnati, where he was the head of the police, and the guy was targeting homeless people, so he moved all these homeless people out of an encampment in the city and just burned it all down. Or, no. Problem recently, solved. Did you hear recently about the case where it was the Eagle Rock, I think it's the uh, his, the son of this guy who's head of the Chamber of Commerce in Eagle Rock, he was charged, he had tried to burn down a homeless encampment, and he set this huge forest fire that extended to the highway, to Burbank. Like the, That just happened. The... As more and more days go by and I read more and more stories about homeless people becoming this like confrontation point in all these different cities, the purge is going to happen 
Like there's going to be some but you're gonna, form you're gonna of see, it. You're going to see a lot more things like that where people feel justified in literally setting on fire any group of right. people that, that they find despicable or find that they don't fit in with their plan, whether they're committing illegal activity or not, or li- the illegal activity they're committing is somehow morally negotiable. Not saying kid rape is. I'm saying no. Having legal weapons around. Yeah. Heavy stuff. Yeah, Jesus Christ. But yeah, that X-Files episode is very heavy-handed in the sense that their uh, profit in that does give everyone Kool-Aid at the end and does kill them all, which mm. is much different than this series of events. But I also think that Bill Hicks had a very strong reaction to this event, too. This was before he passed away. Yeah, he, he died and became this. Alex Jones. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I think he recorded like an album or something watching this happen on the news. But um, yeah, but this was like Vietnam, I think, a media moment where everyone was watching this on the news really nonstop and saw this sort of tragic turn where they couldn't believe that this was their government. Right. It just made it showed a very ugly side of government. So I think Janet Reno really became the the ugly side of the government. (laughs) Janet Reno really was not a scapegoat. She was a um, a power player in this whole deal but she did become the focus of a lot of hatred well it's like hillary clinton and janet reno are these two you know extremely polarizing hated figures on the right that i wonder what it in the 90s. is about them that makes them so much more hated than a lot of other uh, powerful yeah. people hmm. but Do you think just, it's that it's they're a- white yeah, I think it's that they're right. I think it's, it's that they're white. Yeah. It's such a nightmarish vision of this masculine woman who's going to come in and cut your balls off and light your church on fire and will stop you from banging 12-year-olds. Yeah, but the the problem with it is at the same time when you have... It's not to say they're not evil, but... Well, not not necessarily <laughs> evil, but when you have a whole fringe part of the country going... Yeah. The government is coming for your guns. Yeah. Maybe don't be so heavy handed when you're coming for those guns. Exactly. And that is absolutely what happened here. The government was coming for those guns. But the thing is, yeah, it is. It's hard to say. It's hard to make the argument that someone else shouldn't have guns when you don't seem to be able to use the guns very well either. Right. You're the ones who are going to tell me how to use guns. You don't know how to use guns. Tell you doesn't deserve to have guns. You guys. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? You're all the ones shooting the dogs and killing people. Those poor dogs. Oh, Jesus Christ. They're the wor- it's the worst yeah, it's, part of this. It's crazy how little, like, a gun is such a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the, I don't know, hopefully it doesn't work like this in the United States, but there's a really famous police shooting that happened in Canada where they shot this kid who had a knife on a subway train. Yeah. And at the point when they shot him... The conductor had managed to clear the train. No one was injured. This kid was just standing in the train still. The police are like 100 feet away. He's standing in the train with a knife. You could have closed the doors. Yeah. You could have locked him inside. Right. And instead, they were like, if you take one more step, we're going to shoot you. And he literally took one more step, and they shot him nine times. And their justification in court was... The person with the taser took too long to get there. Because in Canada, all the police have guns, but only one is trusted with a high responsibility of using a taser, which is nuts. I mean, I talked to a cop from the UK, and he was saying that he could not even believe that you would taser someone who's running away. He has a taser, and he's like, I wouldn't even do that. Yeah. it's and I think he's just trying to get laid, though, and make himself seem not less scary. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I won't even tase you if you run. Don't no, worry. No, that's what he said. It was really funny. He's like, you know, if you get away, it's like, well, I'm going to be a bit embarrassed. I have to call it in and say, oh, I lost him. You know, maybe you feel a bit bad, whatever. But, you know, and then I'm like, well, I'm sure the cops will find him later. And he's like, oh, no, they get away. <laughs> he's like, oh, lots of getaway. Of course. Like, I was like, really? And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, tons of them. <laughs> Dirty secret. But, yeah, like that, we, we talk so much about these fringe right-wing groups and all their crazy conspiracy theories now, but it is, I think still important to realize that some of it is rooted in actual bad things. The government did certainly sincerely. And uh, yeah, in whether you're talking about black nationalist groups in the seventies or uh, the way that the government infiltrated and targeted peaceful groups after nine 11, 
you know, they infiltrated all these peace groups that were just protesting the Iraq war. Yeah. The government infiltrated those groups and they're infiltrating fucking border like groups that advocate for advocate for people crossing the border now. Yeah. Like they're targeting those groups. That's what your tax money is being used for. Right. We have 16 intelligence agencies. Yeah. They're they're not all sitting around doing nothing, waiting no. for another 9-11. No, they are infiltrating groups and trying to get information on private citizens that are usually doing things that are fairly within the law most of the time, you know, yeah. which is being engaged in political activity. So, yeah, if you're going to think the government is up to no good... You don't really have to look far to find examples of it. Yeah. People aren't aren't crazy for thinking that. And the Black Panthers are a good example. Like yeah. if you if you don't want to take it from white people yeah. that if you get too radical, the government will show up. Take it from the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. Like we have like there have been f- several Freedom of Information Act requests that have revealed so many documents regarding what the FBI did to the Black Panthers. COINTELPRO was a huge fucking scandal. That was the FBI infiltrating all of these different facets of life to just kind of keep an eye on people and see what they were up sure. to. Or dosing the MKUltra, dosing private citizens oh, with LSD man. against their will. MKUltra, my favorite conspiracy theory of all. Because mm-hmm. it's not a conspiracy theory. No, it's just true. It's just, it's just a, a thing the government did in the 60s things and 70s. that happened. Yeah, just, they just committed lots of crimes. It's just a, such a, even on the basic level of what a horrible use of resources. The fact that we paid people good money to tell us, oh no, this is always one of my favorite things. Uh, we had FBI agents who are FBI informants who were talking to them about how John Lennon was at a party and a parrot there could say crazy stuff. And the guy's like, we paid a guy to go to a party where John Lennon was at and talk about a parrot. Yeah. To to what end? There was, they were, we did an episode of the conspiracy podcast about the FBI's treatment of black musicians in general. And one of their reports about, it was like fucking Duke Ellington or something. Mm -hmm. And they were like, he's lobbying to make it. So black performers get hotel rooms when they perform. And like, that was their scary information. They sent back to their bosses and it's like, that's all right. Like, shouldn't we be fighting for that? And no, because racism is a very real thing, but it's not always, yeah, racism. No, there was a um, there was an F, there was an undercover uh, someone was undercover working for the government who posed as a psychiatrist and worked with Harry Belafonte. And, yeah, yeah, to try to get him to admit that he was a communist. Right. You're just like this is insane. Just the, the scope of uh, roles that the government takes to try to infiltrate groups and people, churches, political groups, anything. Um, yeah. So you don't have to yeah. look far for that. Yeah. And it's, I guess the point I'm trying to get across is people who don't trust the government are just like any other group. You're going to have your crazies uh-huh. and then you're just going to have people who have some valid questions. Yes. And there are a lot of valid questions to ask about what happened at mm-hmm. Waco and at Ruby Ridge and even at Oklahoma City. Yeah. yeah. Like there are. nine eleven. Yeah. There are. I bring this up a lot. There's a, all these, you can still find them on YouTube. Probably maybe they scrubbed them after I put it in an episode of the podcast, Whoa. but there are all these news reports from Oklahoma city. The day it was happening where they're like, the ATF is inside dismantling a second bomb. Oh shit. And they were like, the ATF has confirmed they're inside dismantling a second bomb, which makes Oklahoma city a whole different thing mm-hmm. because that means someone had like, very deep internal access to be able to get a bomb inside there as opposed to just driving a truck up to the front and fucking running away. Yeah. Which is what Timothy McVeigh did. And that's not part of the official story anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you can still go out and see those news reports. And when stuff like that happens, people will be like, Oh yeah, we were just wrong. And it's like, why? Where? Like, so the ATF was wrong about being inside the building dismantling a second bomb like that like how were you wrong wrong why were you wrong like fucking you can't read an internet article without seeing an addendum at the end that's like yeah oh we said this person was born in 78 and they were actually born in 79 yeah like can we get can we get some info on that retraction no crazy yeah so uh highly nuts 
Uh, if you, we'll put a bunch of links up on the website for this episode, and there were epi- links for the last episode. You're gonna go down some rabbit holes. Yep, you're gonna go down some rabbit holes. Watch this Waco stuff. There's a good episode if you ever watched the YouTube show Biographics, a good little short one on David Koresh. And then, uh, yeah, that X Files episode is called "The Field Where I Died." If you want to see another dramatic sort of reenactment of a lot of this stuff, it's fun. There's a, I think it's an investigation discovery documentary okay. too. Yeah. About Waco. I've Called Messiah or Madman or something like that. It's like Sinful a two-part Messiah. thing. Sinful Messiah. Sinful I'm surprised. I'm shocked that's not just the name of an investigation discovery show now. That should be the name of a band. We, we are Sinful Messiah. Can we please pitch that show to investigation discovery? Yes. yes. Sinful Messiah. Messiah. Commercials will be all like romance novels yep. and shit. Just this cut dude holding the Bible <laughs> fucking. Like the Thornbirds. <laughs> that thing where it's like the sexy priest. Yeah. Yes. Sinful Messiah. Ripped off his Roman collar. <laughs> yeah. And his throat slit, but he's still alive. <laughs> Sinful Messiah. It is quite good. <laughs> so that is our episode. There's, a, I'm sure there are people at home who are like, why didn't you talk about? Because it's in the other one. Yeah. we've And we've been, this is two episodes now. We're not going to make this entire podcast about Waco. It is a big reason the 90s sucked. I got to agree It really that. is. Yeah, yeah. It was it, a, a sucky time if you wanted to not get shot by the guy. If you were a dog that didn't want to get killed by the government. <laughs> And somehow I had never talked about it on the conspiracy podcast. We have a Ruby Ridge episode, which yeah. is a, probably a pretty good companion to this. If you want to go out and yeah. listen to that, I think we released that publicly eventually. Ruby I'm, Ridge also sounds like the name of a kid who got kidnapped famously or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Ruby Ridge case. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that girl got kidnapped. I don't know. Well, yeah. Or it sounds like a neighborhood that would sound nice. And then you get there and it's just terrifying. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh. Ruby Ridge. Yeah. Which kind of is exactly what it was. Like yeah. an area of Malibu that Kevin Hart yeah. would crash his car and then walk <laughs> home from. Mystery. That's a weird mystery. It's a weird you story. You following that? Nah, not really. It's fucking weird. Well, I don't follow anything Kevin Hart does. He got, he, they crat, he, Except Gaslight Lil Nas X oh, on HBO good shows. Lord. Well, his friend was driving his very fancy automobile and there was another woman in the car and Kevin Hart was in the car and... It like went off an embankment in Malibu and he walked away from the accident, walked home and then later went to the hospital. They said he made your back surgery. So it's like, what, why, why did any of that? Happen? That's all weird. That's always a That's weird all sign. Weird. That happened with Mac Miller not long before he died. He right. had uh, like a, a DUI thing where he crashed his car and like left. Yeah. And they were like, we can track. You're Mac Miller. It's yeah. a, it says Mac Miller on the registration. We're yeah. just going to go to your Calabasas home and come talk to you about this. Exactly. And what are you getting away from? It, and then why wasn't Kevin Hart driving in his own car? Yeah. Well, it's smart if he wasn't driving. Yeah, I guess, but it's not smart to have a drunk person drive it if that's what was up. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he just had drugs on him. And Probably, in which case, more power to him. Probably just a little bit of drugs. Go home and hide those drugs. It's fine. <laughs> you earned it, Kevin Hart. Yeah. I just love his wife gave his name. She goes, he's going to be just fine. Yeah. Which just like doesn't sound sympathetic at all. Oh, he's going to be just fine. All right. All right. So that is our episode. Mm-hmm. This was eye opening. Yes. I, uh, I definitely have a, a different. I Waco name. <laughs> I don't get it. Waco. Cause Waco I tech, wake, like wake Waco, up, wake up. No, that's not what wake, I meant. Oh, Woke Sorry. me up to the truth. Wake <laughs> you up to the truth about the government. Wake me up before <laughs> you go go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. This was fun. Thank you for thank you for doing it. Thank you for having me In, over. I'm glad we got to talk about it. And I don't think David Crush was hot, nor do I think he knew how to fuck. Probably not. Yeah. Well, especially if he was all like, I hate having to do this. <laughs> yeah. If he was but all God bibli- has called for it. If he was all biblical about it. Yeah. You know, probably all mechanical, like yeah, fucking be missionary handmaid's tale. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I don't know. I bet he sheet. kept his glasses on like lumber oh, from the no. office. He's got a hole in the sheet. <laughs> no awful. Yeah. Not my bag. Gross. But he could shred a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he did. He was very Stevie he Ray Vaughan. guitar while he was fucking. Yeah, Stevie Ray gone, gone, gone. Because he's fucking dead. Well, they're both dead. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they are. Stevie Ray Vaughan drove his helicopter into a mountain. 
What an idiot. I mean, he wasn't flying it. Was John Denver flying it? <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Get these guys out of fucking planes, for God's yeah. sakes. Yeah. They call them doctor killers for a reason. <laughs> they kill rich people. So that's what they called oxycodone. <laughs> All right. This was fun. Very fun. Good times. Uh, Yeah. And we'll probably pick this conversation up on the conspiracy podcast because boy, are there some uh, there. We didn't even mention the the sniper who is at Ruby Ridge and Waco. I think his name is Lon Horiuchi. Nice. Yeah. He's he is uh, depicted in the the Waco TV series, at least during the Ruby Ridge segment. And I know that's who they're depicting because. The actor, Asian. Oh, nice. As was Lon Horiuchi. True. Who uh, sh- shot someone's wife in the face. Oh, hate to see that. But in his defense, she was holding a baby. So <laughs> tune into our Ruby Ridge episode of Conspiracy the Show for more jokes like that. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, do you have anything to plug, Laura Crawford? I would check out the show Wayne and It. Uh, last Monday of the month at the Vine Wine Bar in Ojai. That's a show that I'm co-running. Check that out and find me online at uh, Crawford Comic on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Adam Todd Brown. That's Todd with one D. True. And that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Laura, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.